good morning. Now that everybody's warmed up and you've all laughed at me sufficiently. So welcome to Riverside Community Church. Um, I want to start off with this question I want to ask everybody. Have you guys ever been to a point and just sort of asked yourself, okay, I'm reading and I'm seeing everything in the Bible. Could I really trust God and believe everything the Bible says and live that life right there? You know, I, I found myself oftentimes asking that question. I mean, because look, you read in the Bible and you're like, oh, these are such great people of faith and it's easy for them because God is appearing to them and they can see it. But what about my life? Can I really live my life like this? And so for the longest time in my walk, man, I went toe-to-toe with God. I fought God. I fought God about who I was going to date, about dating life. I fought God about my finances. We wrestled all the time. I fought God about morality, right? I was going to be the one that determined what was right and wrong. And then finally I got to a certain point, and God is really good at this. He brings you to a certain point when you come to the end of yourself and you're like, God, I, I, can't, I can't fight this anymore. And so here is my life. Do whatever you want. Take my life and do whatever you want. Now, that's probably one of the scariest prayers you will ever pray. Because, you know, in your mind, you're like, well, where is he going to take me to some foreign country? And I'm going to have to do And God is like, I have not said all that stuff. I just want you to get to the end of yourself and you give every single area of your life and aspect of your life over to me. And it wasn't long after that that my faith shot through the roof. I mean, I saw and knew God in ways that I never, ever would have imagined. And so now I'm coming forward to the point where literally in my house one night, I'm on my knees and I'm saying, God, I never knew it was like this. I was so stuck in religion. I was so stuck with just trying to do things because I thought that's what you were supposed to do. But I never knew him in the way that I began to know him in relationship, in intimate relationship with the see the things that you're praying for coming to life and you see the truth that he says happening in your life and you're just like wow it is the most amazing thing seeing that and seeing his promises come true in my life it changed my relationship and it changed my faith and what I began to realize is that as a Christian I must take God at his worth at his word rather that's what's called faith. I'm taking him at his word and exactly what he says. For the Christian, faith is the foundation of our lives. We live by faith in him. And so today, what we're going to see is this. God will always fulfill his promises. I can look at his word and understand and believe that everything he says is going to happen and is true. And so I call this sermon, Can I Really Trust God? Can I really trust God? And what we're going to see is this. We're going to see why we can trust God with everything in our lives. And we're going to be looking at Genesis 15 today. And so we're continuing this story in the book of Genesis. Our sermon series is called In the Beginning. And we're looking at Genesis 15. And I want to just start off with the first few verses. We're going to look at 1 through 6. So Genesis 15, 1 through 6. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come 
before you today expecting to hear you in your word, Lord. And so we just ask, God, please give us a humble heart to hear you and to hear where we fall short and where we need to turn to you and ask just for forgiveness and repentance, Lord. And we just ask for help. We come to you with helplessness, God, and helplessness. And ask that you would just help us to live these things out, not in our strength, but in yours, Father. And we just lift this up in prayer and ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Genesis 15, verses 1 through 6 says this. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be great. But Abram, had, Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So where are we right now? What has brought us to this point? What Dave preached last week, and he talked about Abram being called out of where he was, and God was going to begin working in his life. And so now where we are is, fast forward, uh, there are kings in this land. They come together. They're battling one another, and eventually one king of Sodom, he loses all his possessions, and Abraham's nephew, Lot, is also taken away. And so Abram gathers 318 men. They go. They defeat these kings. They bring back the possessions of the king of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he brings back Lot also. And so the king comes out to meet Abram and says, look, just give me the people. You take everything else. And he says, no. I'm not going to take. The only thing I'm going to take is the food that we've eaten and the men who are with me. That's the only thing that we're taking right here. And so that's what leads us to where we are right now. And so God says to him in a vision, fear not, Abram, I am your shield and your reward shall be very great. Now, at some point, Abram has to expect that he is going to be attacked again by these kings. And so what God is doing is God is comforting him and telling him, I am going to be your shield and your reward is going to be great. Remember, he's refused the reward from the king of Sodom. And God is telling us, your reward is going to be great. And this is the point when Abram gets real. When he was like, honestly, God, what am I going to do with this reward? Who is it going to go to? You promised me a son. And so right now, I have no son. So who is going to get this reward? Remember, time and time again in Genesis, what we see is God promising Abram about he's going to give him the land, it's going to go to his offspring, his offspring are going to be a great nation. And so he keeps hearing these things, and at a certain point he's like, who's going to get it? Right? It's one of the things that I love about this moment right here is Abram is getting real with God. This is a real relationship, Right? This is an aspect of faith. Faith is not getting angry at God and turning away. Faith goes to God and says, you told me I was going to have offspring, and I don't see it. And so we see this right there. We see the tension of what his reality looks like and what God has said. Anybody ever experienced that before? Right? Is that frustrating? Is it hard? 
It's really hard when you're at that moment in your life and you're seeing that. You know, I was, I was sharing with the first group earlier. So I saw back in about 2010, having a conversation with Aaron Harvey, our previous pastor, and him telling me that uh, he wanted me to get into church planning. And so I was like, okay. And so I became so focused on church planning that that was where my life was going, right? And I remember shortly after when I got married, I told my wife, we can't move anywhere because I'm going to be church planning. I have nowhere we're going to go right now which made my wife absolutely crazy. So I was like on this church planning track, right? And so I'm at my job, and I experienced the tension of where God was do- what God was doing in my life and where he was taking me and what I was experiencing in that moment. And I got so frustrated. I was like, God, I don't understand why you have me here because I'm in the corporate world. But God was teaching me things, and I was waiting on him. So I understand what it's like when then you see that tension of what God says and what his word says and what you're experiencing in his life. But I love how Abraham responds to it, because he responds through his faith, and he's talking to God. It's one of the reasons why also we always encourage you, if you're going to pray, pray through Scripture. Why? Because what I'm doing is I'm praying through what God has said. I'm using God's own words in my prayer life, and I'm talking to God through what he has said in his Scripture. And so we see that. We see that right there. And in fact, that's what I did during that time because I used to drive to Home Depot during my lunchtime and I was reading through a book called A Praying Life and often a lot of it is based upon Scripture or said all of it is based upon Scripture. And so as I was reading it and I was looking at Scripture, I was like, man, God, I want this for my life right here. And so now I'm interacting with God and this is what that relationship looks like as I'm praying through the things that he was showing me, especially in Scripture. And so here is where Abram is right now. God tells him that he's going to have offspring as numerous as a star. And in order for that to happen, he has to have a child. He's greater than 75 years old right now. He needs a son for this promise to come true. And so out of all of that, what does Abraham do? He believes. He believes. And because he believed, it was counted to him as righteous. Now, Righteousness is this. It says, acting in accord with divine or moral law, free from guilt or sin. Understand what this is saying. He wasn't counted righteous because he believed in God. He was counted as righteous because he believed God. He believed and took God at his word. What was God doing through the offspring of Abraham? Whom was God bringing through the offspring of Abraham? And so even though if Abraham didn't have the full picture of who it was, he still took God at his word. And what God said was, because you believed, you are counted as righteous. What Christ did on the cross, God was taking the righteousness of Jesus and taking it and applying it to Abraham, because Abram was counted as righteous before the law was given. The law, the Ten Commandments, how you're supposed to act. See, there's many people today who believe that if you follow the law or you do good things, then God will count you as righteous. And what he's saying here is before it was even given, here is someone who was counted as being righteous. Why? Because he believed what God had said. That's so important. 
And I want you to hold on to that. And I want you to remember that because it's setting the foundation of what we are to do. God gives the promise. Abram responds in faith. And he believes. He believed God solely on his word. And even before he had the intimate details of everything that was going to happen, he believed God. That's the foundation for righteousness. Salvation comes from grace, by grace, through faith. By grace, through faith, he believed. And so the question is now, okay, God, I believe, but how am I sure? How will I be sure? And so he asked the same question. Listen to what he says in verse 7. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O oh Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all of these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against each other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. They will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on that nation that they shall serve, and, sh and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. The land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And so now we move from God's promises to his proof. Abram asked God, how will I know that you're going to do what you say you will? He's asking him for a sign. He's asking him for proof. Now, I want you to notice, does God get angry? It's included in Scripture. And so God shows him and through his grace, he shows him proof of what's about to happen. Abram had doubts, and he wanted an assurance from God. And what God was saying to him is, okay, let's sign a contract. I want you to gather these animals. He gets them, cuts them in half, he separates them. Right? Now, in those days, when they would have a covenant... What they would do is both parties would do that and they would both walk through and, and repeat the terms of the covenant. And so that's what's happening here. That's what's happening. He's telling Abram to get this. We're going to sign the contract right now. And then after he does that, now a deep sleep comes upon Abram. And as he's in a deep sleep right now, there's great darkness that comes over him. And what God says is, I want to tell you what's about to happen. Your offspring 
are going to be a land in which they're sojourners. And they're going to be there, and they're going to be servants. And they're going to be there for 400 years. They are going to be afflicted. And I'm going to bring judgment on the land and the people whom they serve right now. And they're going to leave with great possessions. Now you, you're going to pass away in a good old age. But they're going to return to this land here in the fourth generation. And the iniquity of the Amorites will still be there, which means that sin of the Amorites who are currently here is still going to be going on at that time. This is what's about to happen right now. And then the sun goes down. And what happens to Abram? He's asleep. And who walks between? It says there's a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. Now, where have we seen that before? Where have we seen a pillar, a cloud leading by day and a pillar of flame, the flame leading by night? Where have we seen that? And so now... God is going and he's making this covenant. This covenant is so serious, it's by blood. And normally you have both parties go through. Abram is asleep. God's like, this is not about you. And God goes through himself. What God is literally saying is, if I don't keep this oath... I, may I swear that I be divided like these animals. God is making this covenant with himself. He doesn't need Abram awake to do this. In fact, Abram is asleep. How often have you seen in your lives when, when God is doing a work and he's doing something and he's literally like, I don't need you? Watch what I do. How often I've been sharing Christ with someone and you can start to see the, the light bulb coming on and God telling me, watch, watch what I do. God doesn't need us, but he allows Abram to see what he's doing. He is going to fulfill this covenant based upon who he is, not based upon who Abram is. He's fulfilling the covenant himself, and he will not fail. Why? Because God cannot fail. And he gives us his word. And so we see God's covenant promise. What is it? He's going to have offspring. They're going to return from Egypt, a land in which they're afflicted, and they will come back and possess this land that is currently occupied by other tribes right now. You see why we can trust God's promise. We can trust God's promise because he is the one making it and God cannot fail and he doesn't need us to be involved. He does it because of who he is, not based upon what we do. He keeps his word. We fast forward now. God's been promising one to come and so now we move to the, the book of John and here he is. He's with us, and he's talking to them, and they still don't believe. And so now at this point, listen to the words that Jesus says right here. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham. 
and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I've seen from my father, with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that Abraham did. What did Abraham do? He believed. If you were his children, you would be doing the same thing he did. You would believe. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, and he goes on further to say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. And if I were to say that I did not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Jesus says, if you were truly children of Abraham, you would be doing the same exact thing that he did. You would believe. I am the one whom God was telling was to come through the offspring of Abraham. Here I am, but you're not doing the same thing. You think it's because you are related to Abraham that you are saved. No. If you are truly a child of Abraham, you would do exactly what he did, which is believe. Believe, and yet my word finds no place with you. My word finds no place with you. You see the pattern he's showing right here? God gives the promise, and we believe. He told Adam and Eve what? That the Messiah is going to come through her seed. And what did he do? Adam goes and he names Eve, mother of all living things. There's a belief that she is going to have children and offspring. He tells Abram what's about to happen. What does Abram do? He believes. And so now here comes Jesus. Jesus is telling them who I am. He's giving them the word to believe. And what happens? God is the one that does it. Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves. And what did God do? He killed the animal. He covered them. Abram didn't find righteousness in what he did. He had righteousness because he believed. It was God that put Christ's righteousness on him. We find salvation not because we do anything. We believe in what Christ had done and his death and resurrection. God did it. And so when you put two parts together, we believe in what Christ did. We believe what Christ did. 
That's the foundation. That is salvation. That's the pattern that you see right here. God was the one that walked through the broken and bloodied body of his own son to fulfill and to establish the covenant. And it was God who signed it for both of us. And how do we enter into that? Believe. 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 It's by faith. And so what does that mean for us? Number one, salvation is through faith in Jesus, period. Salvation is through faith in Jesus. You know what Abram did? And David shared this last week. God called Abram out of where he was to take a look, to see his life, to see it was wrong, and to come out of it. That's called repentance. And he invites us to do the same thing. To see your life, to see the things that you're doing as being wrong, and to come out of it. And when we do that, and we look at Christ and say, you know what? I need a Savior. And I look at what Jesus has done on the cross and saying, I want that applied to me. And I receive it by faith. By faith. A Christian is someone who has done what Abraham has done, which is believe. That's why Abraham is the, the father of all who believe, and all who believe are children of Abraham, because they're doing the same exact thing. It's never been about works. It's never been about works. It's always been about belief and righteousness through belief. So salvation is through faith in Jesus. The second is true faith is believing God's word. We absolutely need faith and patience like Abraham. The problem is we have a really tough time trying to muster it ourselves. But the beautiful thing about when I come to know Christ as my Lord and Savior, He is living His life through me. And the reason why I can live this life is not because of me, because of Christ living through me. And so what would it look like for you to trust every part of God's Word, to trust everything in your life to God's Word? What would it look like for your initial salvation? What would it look like for your marriage to believe exactly what God says? What would it look like for your finances? I'll tell you right now, there are parts of our life where we are just like, nope, I will not give it over. I am not giving this up, God. And we're about to fight. <laughs> Trust me, the reason I know, I've been there. And I have fought with God over many things. True freedom is giving every aspect of my life over to him, and I stop fighting, and I take him at his word. Salvation is through faith in Jesus. True faith is believing God's word. And last, the reason why we can trust, the reason we can go to God and we can trust in every single thing is God always does what he says he's going to do. God fulfilled the covenant. God pledged himself to our full redemption. Way back then, he knew what he was doing, and he did it through broken people. And yet the Savior still came. God fulfilled exactly what he said he was going to do because that's who he is. And he cannot deny himself and he cannot go against his own word. And so as I pick up the Bible daily and I read it, even if I'm reading a daily devotion, when I read things like, I will never leave you nor forsake you, or when he says things like, do not fear, I will help you, or when I read something that says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. 
The question is, are you in Scripture every day? Because if you're not, then you're not hearing what God is telling you. You got to be in it every single day, even if it's a little devotion and I'm reading it. And then I use that as a jumping off point and saying, God, I'm hearing what you're saying. I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but I don't feel like that right now, God. Help me, Lord. And now this is where I begin my conversation because he's just told me something. This is where I begin my conversation. And I say, God, I'm having trouble with this. I'm not trusting you right now. I don't feel this. Show me what you want me to do. Help me, Lord. And I begin my prayer life with that. And now I begin to have that intimate relationship just like Abram. It looks just like that. That's what we're called to do. This is not about what Abram did as much as it is about what God did and what God does. And why we can absolutely trust God with every single part of our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I mean, God, I, I know absolutely there have been parts of my life, Lord, where I was not willing to give over to you, God, because whether I thought I knew what was best, whether I truly just didn't want to submit to you, or whether I was afraid, God, I know that there were just parts, and you continue to show me parts where just my trust is not there. But God, when I look at the Scripture... And I see is that when you say something, God, you are absolutely trustworthy. And so I can give my whole life over to you and watch what you do and follow what you do, God, because of your word and who you are, Father. And so first and foremost, God, where I see that is just in salvation. God, there are, there are those out there who, who still believe that they can earn your favor and earn salvation because they are good people. And God, there are those who even, they've accepted Christ as their Savior, and they still believe that they have to try to earn your good favor, Lord. And God, what we're seeing here in this scripture is that salvation comes from your grace, your love, and we do it from faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross. And so God, first and foremost, thank you for that. Thank you for taking it out of our hands so that we don't have to try to work it out ourselves, Lord. Father, I, we pray for those who have come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, we pray that you would reveal to them areas of their life where they are not trusting in you. And they're still trying to do what they want to do, Father. And so we, we ask that you would reveal to them that they would repent from the sin, Lord, and trust in you and know what it's like to have a, a deep, intimate, personal relationship with you. And Father, we also pray for those here today who who do not know Christ as their Lord and Savior because there's a belief that I'm a good person, that I can earn my way, and I don't have to be obedient to that. And Father, we just want to give an opportunity to them this morning where they can trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so if you're here today and you want to do that, I want to give you an opportunity right now that you can just pray right where you are and just, just say these words. Say, Dear God, I've lived my life apart from you. And I've sinned against you. God, I believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again to forgive me of my sins. And God, I thank you so much for your salvation. In Jesus' name I pray.
with all eyes closed and head bowed, if you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand so we can come alongside you. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, help us move forward this day trusting your word in the things that you say, God, because you are the path to life. Christ is life. And God, we ask for your help in doing this, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.